This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, September 15th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, local missing woman found dead. San Miguel County sees three recent COVID outbreaks. Telluride considers limits on short-term rental licenses and a mountain weather forecast. Telluride lost a member of its community this week. Hannah Israel of Ophir was found dead in her car at the Deep Creek Corral on Monday afternoon. She was 30 years old. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, Israel had been missing for the past nine days. In an announcement, the coroner stated, quote, Our worst fears were confirmed. In an email to Cotto on Wednesday, the coroner's office said it was unable to discuss the incident further at this time. Law enforcement officials note they take every incident of a missing person on a case-by-case basis, factoring mental health, substance use, past experience, and family requests when announcing a missing person to the public. Officials were not able to speak specifically to this case. On Monday, the Telluride Marshal's Department and Sheriff deputies responded to a call in the Deep Creek area. When law enforcement arrived, they found Israel deceased in a car. The coroner's office is investigating the cause and manner of death. The San Miguel County Sheriff's Office says it is sending collective thoughts to Israel's family and the many people in the community mourning her loss. Crippen Funeral Home will handle arrangements. Israel is survived by her sister, Sarah, and her parents, Peter and Wendy. Approximately 1 in 97 Coloradans are currently infectious with COVID-19. That's according to modeling data from the state. Within the state of Colorado, San Miguel has maintained an elevated um, incidence rate, um, but there are some areas over in the um, northwest region that are having um, significant outbreaks. That's San Miguel County Public Health Director Grace Franklin. She adds on a state and regional level, hospital capacity is also strained. Currently, statewide hospitals are at 85% capacity. And this does not take into account flu season, which last year was mostly um, didn't happen because of how people were behaving, um, mask use, etc. And we've moved past that. And so we anticipate a much more significant flu season this year. Um, along with other respiratory illnesses um, that could affect our hospital response. On the local level, 27 San Miguel County residents tested positive for COVID over the past week, with 22 in the Telluride region and five in the Norwood region. For the most part, it's been very mild um, symptoms or um, asymptomatic uh, for those that are vaccinated or children. Um, but we're seeing more significant symptoms for those unvaccinated. When it comes to demographics for those positive cases, Franklin says there have been 16 confirmed positive cases in children since the beginning of September. Out of the cases that we saw within the county, um, that is accounting for over 30 percent of our cases. So it is important to note that we are seeing this rising trend in our county um, as we have across the nation nation and state of um, Younger people are really starting to carry that burden of disease. She notes to some extent that makes sense as young people are unable to get vaccinated. 
Those young people have also been the site of a recent COVID outbreak. Five students at the Telluride Intermediate School tested positive with four symptomatic and one asymptomatic. It seems like we have a pretty good understanding of how it's being spread. Um, that classroom is in quarantine and we're continuing to test them to really um, dial down um, through what's going on. There was also an outbreak at the Telluride Regional Medical Center where seven staff members tested positive in less than one week. In addition, Telluride Film Festival saw an outbreak of six staff and volunteers testing positive. Franklin notes when it comes to the Film Fest, the numbers are more complicated. As San Miguel County Public Health only receives notification when a county resident tests positive. Franklin says she's reached out to the state public health department to try to get more data. They're going to be doing a nationwide call for cases. So anybody who tests positive in the month of August, September, um, they'll, they'll ask um, for other health departments um, to note if they traveled to Telluride. And then the state health department will do a, a further case investigation to determine if they attended another event, um, which will actually be really nice for both Telluride Film Fest and upcoming Blues and Brews to really get a better idea. And on top of all of it, Franklin says the number of close contacts for those who test positive is, quote, really tremendous. Our team um, calls people, whether they're vaccinated or not, if they're close contacts, to be able to give them the information needed to make sure um, they can ask questions um, and get resources. And um, really, it ranges somewhere between uh, like seven to 30 plus people um, for each case right now. She says it's a testament to the confidence in vaccines, but also a reminder. We aren't quite over this, um, but um, behavior has shifted to um, really demonstrate that most people are over it. San Miguel County has ongoing COVID testing four days a week, Tuesdays in Lawson Hill, Wednesdays in Lawson, Mountain Village, and the Norwood Pig Palace, Thursdays at the Telluride High School, and Fridays at the Miramonte Building in Telluride. Changes are likely coming for those who own short-term rental properties in the town of Telluride. This week, Telluride Town Council discussed a number of possible amendments to short-term rental business license regulations. During a work session, Telluride Town Attorney Kevin Geiger presented a number of options. The first would limit the number of short-term business licenses any person or company could operate. It basically says that no person shall maintain any financial or beneficial interest in more than one vacation rental unit. Geiger notes he looked at New Orleans and Palm Springs as models for the provisions. The second would create a strike system where an owner could have their license suspended or removed. Your first option for for a violation could be a fine. Your second could be a suspension and your third could be a permanent suspension. There are any number of ways of crafting possible legislation on this issue. Finally, Geiger shares the option to add language into the Telluride Municipal Code, making it clear that any short-term rental revenue collected illegally would be forfeited back to the town. So you take the incentive away from someone trying to do something illegal if, if all that money or revenue will be eventually forfeited back to the government. Geiger notes he's heard comments noting that limiting an owner's ability to short-term rent violates property rights. He says that argument is false. A business license for a short-term rental unit is not a right, it's a privilege. He adds the Oregon Supreme Court has upheld that notion. 
The court ruled limiting or eliminating short-term rentals does not prohibit the economic value of the property, as the owner can still live in or rent the property long-term. Although those uses may not be as profitable as are shorter-term rentals, these are economically viable uses. That's the language of a takings case, and I don't think anyone could ever make the argument that eliminating a short-term rental business component then denies an owner of all economically viable use of the property. To start, the majority of council is in support of limiting the number of short-term rental licenses an individual or company is allowed to hold. Here's council member Geneva Shawnette. While there, we do have a lot of people who owning a short-term rental in town is a huge part of their family's uh, economic planning. I completely respect that, but I think that when you have more than one, then that starts to be a different level. So I think one one's appropriate. However, there was split on the exact number to limit. Council member Todd Brown doesn't think the issue should be black and white. In Telluride Lodge, where I live, there are families who have multiple units that they have bought over the years, intending them for their family as they grow up. And that's that's a different situation than somebody buying multiple units for strictly the commercial use of of short-term renting. Council member Lars Carlson is the only member in opposition to the limit at all. I just don't think this is doing anything to create a housing. So in essence, you're just trying to penalize somebody that owns more rental properties. And I don't know what the point of that is. But council member Jesse Ray Arguez notes the limit is only on short-term rentals, not owning multiple properties in general. To Lars's point, like, does it create more housing? I think that we need to hope that, you know, by allowing people to own multiple properties, not all in short-term rental, that yes, one will become long-term or seasonal or a primary residence. Council also unanimously supported increasing the fines placed on license owners who violate the rules and codifying language requiring the forfeiture of all illegal revenue collected. The majority is also in support of implementing a strike system, resulting in a license suspension or revocation. But once again, there's division on how many strikes before you're out. Here are council members Tom Watkinson and Geneva Shawnette. The repeat offenders who are obviously doing that <laughs> are trying to skate by, and then there are people that are making mistakes and fixing those mistakes. You messed up, but I don't think you should lose your license for doing that, and you're fixing the situation. It's our job as council to make the laws, and it's the business license owner's job to follow the laws. And so the whole I made a mistake thing, I don't totally jive with, especially with just so much money on the table. Council directed staff to draft language for an ordinance to amend the short-term business license regulations. Council will discuss the issue further and potentially vote on an ordinance at a future meeting. Telluride's Commission for Community Assistance, Arts, and Special Events allocates hundreds of thousands of dollars in grant funding every year to local nonprofits and special events. This year, CASE is asking for a bump in that grant funding from town council. Commission members want to increase the funding for arts and special event grants by about $20,000, which is roughly 10%, and community support grants by about $50,000, which is roughly 15%. They cite the increased cost of doing business in town and the importance of nonprofits to the community. 
They also note the case budget hasn't been adjusted since 2019. Here's Mayor Delaney Young during a discussion about the request at town council's meeting on Tuesday. It seems like a big jump because it is, but I think if you average it out, it shouldn't be as um, unrealistic an ask. Council member Adrian Christie is also in support of the increase. It's important for us as a town to spend money on the people who live here, um, and this is an excellent way of doing that. Council made no final decisions on the case funding increase request. That will be part of their final budget approval process later this year. Walking around Telluride, it's clear. Construction is in the air. And it's been of notice for Telluride's Historic Architectural Review Committee as well. Last year, of course, was affected by COVID-19, but it was, so it wasn't a typical year. But we've reviewed about 100 more applications than last year, this year and about 50 more than the year before. That's Jonna Wenzel, Historic Preservation Director for the town of Telluride. She presented an annual HARC review to town council this week. Seven of those projects were large-scale, which require a HARC board review. But the majority of projects took place on the HARC chair or staff level. It, it, uh, we, we feel it. <laughs> we are feeling it. It, it as everyone knows, it's been a very busy year. That number of hearings required to approve a project also went up in 2020-2021. HARC board-level applications required about two hearings to receive an approval. Uh, this is up from one and a half hearings last year, but as I mentioned before, there were more large-scale applications this year which require at least two hearings, a preliminary and a final. And for example, the hotel alone took Hark, I think, six hearings. With meetings often lasting hours and into the night, following Wenzel's presentation, town council shared its sincere gratitude for all of Hark's work. If you ask the Telluride Arts District, there's no party like an edgy art party. This week at the Transfer Warehouse, Telluride will get to experience Art house, contemporary, fresh, local, music, libations, installations, 20 artists over two days. The event will feature artists including Amy Russell, Austin Halpern, Brandon Burkle, Brooke Enbinder, Bruce Backer, Chris Hudson, Cy Hoover, Dave Durinzi, Flair Robinson, Gia Gunn, Jane Gorin, Katie Parnello, Primo, Sarah Ward, Sarah Luecki, Sean Guerrero, and Vanessa Backer. DJ Contendo and DJ Lena Vibes will also provide music throughout the weekend. The Art House event will take place Saturday, September 18th and Sunday, September 19th from 4 to 9 p.m. at the Transfer Warehouse. Proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test is required for entry, and masks are recommended when social distancing isn't possible. President Joe Biden said the nation must quickly invest in new technology to combat climate change after he toured the National Renewable Energy Laboratory in Golden on Tuesday. I had a chance to see the state-of-the-art wind turbine testing and new battery technologies. Because of the years of work that have taken place here, and these technologies aren't science fiction. They're ready to be installed and scaled up across the country right now. Biden also touted his plans for a civilian climate corps to work on fire prevention projects. Representative Joe Naguse of Boulder is sponsoring legislation to create it. Biden stopped in Colorado as part of a swing through western states. He also toured fire damage in California and discussed wildfire prevention in Idaho. 
Heidi Gunnall is running to challenge Jared Polis to be Colorado's governor. As KOTO's Scott Franz reports, she has the highest profile of the 10 Republicans running to challenge the Democratic incumbent. Gunnall is the only Republican candidate currently holding a statewide office as a regent for the University of Colorado. In a campaign video, she touts being an entrepreneur who has overcome many storms, including the death of her husband in a 1994 plane crash and a brain tumor last year. In the same video, she blasts Polis for his response during the pandemic and vows for a better recovery. This storm doesn't have to last. We need a change. We're ready for the sun to shine on those mountaintops in our lives again. Ganahl is viewed as an underdog. Opinion polls show most Coloradans support Polis's response to the pandemic so far. A July survey conducted by a Democratic research firm also showed him with a 20-point lead over Ganahl in a theoretical matchup. I'm Scott Franz. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-40s. Thursday should be sunny during the day and clear at night with a high around 70 degrees and a low around 45. Friday expect sunny skies with a high near 70 degrees. Friday night calls for mostly clear skies with a low around 45. This has been the news for Wednesday, September 15th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hi, I'm Adrian Berger with the San Miguel Watershed Coalition. And I'm Paul Kiris with Telluride Institute's Watershed Education Program. Water is on everyone's minds this summer with our low snowpack, impressive monsoon, and unprecedented shortages in the Colorado River. Have you been curious about what's going on in our local watershed? Check out our 2020 State of the San Miguel Watershed Report at sanmiguelwatershed.org. A watershed isn't just the river. It includes the entire landscape, from valley bottoms to mountain ridges. Anywhere precipitation falls that flows into the San Miguel River is the watershed. The State of the Watershed Report is an all-encompassing document about everything San Miguel, including climate, aquatic ecosystems, terrestrial environment, and land use. If you're interested in snowpack, water quality and quantity, big game numbers, endangered species, and even traffic and tourism numbers, check out the report. There's something for everyone. The State of the Watershed Report compiles historic public data sets, agency information, and statistics into an easily accessible and interactive story map. The report can be found on our website. The Watershed Coalition is in the process of completing our 2021 River Restoration Plan, and we need your help. We are looking for public input identifying potential restoration projects. We want to hear from you whether you are a government employee, avid recreationist, conservationists, or just live and work in the area. Please fill out our survey, which can be found in the Projects tab on our website. The San Miguel Watershed Coalition is helping to put on this year's San Juan Mining and Reclamation Conference being held in Telluride from September 22nd to the 24th. This year's theme is Solving Pandora's Box, the application of the arts and humanities to the challenges of mining and reclamation. We are holding the conference at the Sheridan Opera House for science presentations, the transfer warehouse for a reception featuring reclaimed art, and holding tours of local historic mine infrastructure. The tours consist of the Society Turn Tailings Remediation on the Valley Floor, the Matterhorn Mill, the Iderado Bulkhead, and the Caribou Mine Remediation Site. 
Join our tours to learn more about last year's project on the west end of the valley floor and the other reclamation projects. Conference attendees can register for any event session individually if they cannot attend the whole conference. For more information and to register, visit mountainstudiesinstitute.org. Hi, this is Robin Kondracki, and I'm the Advocate Coordinator at the San Miguel Resource Center. We are offering two free victim advocacy trainings, one in Norwood at the Lone Cone Library and the other in Telluride at the Wilkinson Public Library. Both trainings are held for three consecutive weeks and have an online and in-person component, totaling to a 40-hour comprehensive program. We cover a wide variety of topics, including domestic violence, sexual assault, victim advocacy, trauma and mental health, child advocacy, and more. Upon completion of the training, participants will become certified victim advocates in the state of Colorado. A certified victim advocate may volunteer with SMRC by taking shifts on the 24-hour helpline, though volunteering is not a requirement. Being a certified victim advocate provides you with an incredibly unique opportunity to help members of your community who need your support, even if they may appear to be completely fine on the surface level. Intimate partner violence has always been present in our region, but the pandemic has unfortunately exacerbated the circumstances that can lead to this type of violence. Now more than ever, you have the ability to potentially change somebody's life as a victim advocate in our community. Our volunteer advocates are essential to the success of SMRC, and we are incredibly grateful for any help offered to us. Volunteers are the reason the 24-hour helpline is able to exist, which serves so many individuals regionally who may be in crisis. SMRC would love to invite you into our volunteer community. If you are interested in registering for either the Norwood or Telluride training, or if you would like more information on the training, please email me at advocates at smrcco.org or give me a call at 970-728-5842, extension 3 pound. Spots are limited, so be sure to register soon. Hey there, listeners. It's Sarah Holbrook here, the executive director of the Pinhead Institute based in Telluride, Colorado, but bringing STEM education and the love of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math to all of regional, rural, southwestern Colorado. It's such an exciting time to be part of the science world. Let me tell you one crazy new thing. I'm sure you're all familiar with the film Jurassic Park. Well, some of it is almost coming true. There's a new company called Colossal, and it's headed by a biologist at Harvard Medical School, this guy named George Church, who for eight years has been leading a small team of moonlighting researchers developing tools for reviving mammoths. It has something to do with recombining elephant DNA and finding, I don't know, leftover long-buried mammoth DNA. It's not exactly dinosaur DNA from little droplets of amber, but it does sound kind of close. Anyhow, that's our story for today. It, it, the company is called Colossal. Check it out. Let's see if it can bring the mammoth back. Some people are skeptical. Anyhow, the really exciting news for Pinhead is that in two weeks, we are going to have our Pintern presentations at the Opera House. Everybody has to be vaccinated and wear a mask indoors. There's an afternoon and an evening session so we can spread out the love and don't get too crowded. 
um, but it's free and open to the community. Anybody who's interested, I especially urge you if you have kids in high school who are juniors, sophomores, or freshmen to have those kids attend because the more interested they seem to appear in the Pinhead internships, the more likely they will be to get picked if they choose to apply. Applications aren't due till November, but kids do have to attend the Pintern presentations Wednesday, September 29th in their junior year if they want to attend. Uh, vaccinations and masks required. This past summer, the summer of 2021, which was still in pandemic and kind of crazy times, we had kids who were interns from Nucla, from Olathe, from Montrose, from Norwood, from, of course, Telluride, from Ridgeway, from Dolores, and from Cortez. And those kids are going to get up on the stage of the historic Sheridan Opera House and share with them with you some of the amazing things that they have done. We had three kids go to San Diego State University, two working in a marine science center and one working on virology. We had two students studying at the Laboratory for Atmospheric and Space Physics up in Boulder. Uh, that was pretty amazing. Uh, we had two students going to the Tybee Island Marine Science Center. Two worked in the fields of the Long Table Farms and learned the STEM relationship with farming. Pretty fabulous. We had a kid studying chemistry in Houston. We had so many kids doing so many interesting things. If you show up Wednesday, either in the afternoon from 3.30 to 5.30 or in the evening from 6.45 till around 8.30, you will hear their stories and you will get inspired as well. Uh, also, uh, we do have a super cool um, program from the Smithsonian on gender identity and bias. So if you want to um, send me an email about that program, it's happening next week. Email me, sarah at pinheadinstitute.org. Thank you so much for your interest. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.